JP Productions. You are now listening to the Sierra Unraveled podcast. This space was created to inspire, to encourage, and to connect all those who have gone through life and managed to stay sane. I mix my own personal drama, (laughs) I mean trauma, mental health, motherhood, domestic violence awareness, spirituality, and a whole lot of Sierra Unraveled. I'm so glad you're here. In 2019, more than 57,000 domestic violence incidents were reported to police in Michigan. It's expected that more incidents occurred, but they were unreported. Ms. Howard, thank you so much for coming on to the show to share your story. It takes a lot of guts, courage, and faith to raise this kind of awareness. So were you born and raised here or? Yeah. So before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me. Um, It is an honor to be here to speak today to other women and to other listeners. Um, I was born in Michigan um, and I was raised in Detroit, Michigan. I grew Mm -hmm. up on the west side, southwest Detroit. Um, And then I went to school up north at Ferris State. And then when I came back home to Detroit, I started to work and live here. And I've been here ever since. Wow. See, I'm not originally from here, but after I went to college here, I stayed here. So it's just interesting to meet other people that are actually from here. What was it like growing up here? So Detroit was fine. So um, a quick fact about myself, my grandfather is an original temptation. So my Mm -hmm. roots are here in Michigan. So I probably would have never left Detroit if I had the opportunity. So I have family elsewhere. I like to travel a lot. So I like the fact that I can travel and then still come back home. Um, But Detroit wasn't bad. I have a lot of great memories of the city, like more of neighborhoods and growing up and being outside, which is a lot different than now because of all the technology that the little ones have. Right, right, definitely. So did you always want to be a mom or? So it really kind of happened. I was fearful to be a mom more than anything. Um, Motherhood just is foreign and I'm five years in my daughter. She's five years old. And even now it's just like a lot of aha moments or I could have handled that differently. And I'm learning a lot from her because it gives you patience all over again. Um, I was single. I I had her when I was 28 years old. So for the most part, being a mother, it was in the books. It just wasn't supposed to happen then. And I remember being scared to death to give birth and to have a kid because I'm like, this is somebody I have to answer to every day. Yes. And then I did the due diligence of nursing. So I nursed for 24 months. So like, it just was, I just, I didn't know that it would be like this, but I could not imagine my life without her. Literally. I feel that so much. Like the fact that you did 24 months of nursing, like I made it to 14 and I was like, it's a wrap. I can't do it. Right. <laughs> Give me my boobs back. <laughs> right. I don't want to be a cow. I'm done. <laughs> What's your favorite part about motherhood? You think right now it's the developing and watching her grow and like gain understanding. So with the pandemic, we were at home, staying safe, staying healthy. We did virtual schooling. So she was only in like daycare, but to watch her even at virtual school and like gain concepts, learn to count to 100 and now to have her putting on little uniforms every day and going to school and talking about her day, making her lunch. It's so good to just watch a little human just grow and sprout. Like you did that. You created that. Yes. (laughs) Like the discovery of like being a human. And when I was pregnant, I would say, I'm having a whole human. And I had a whole human. <laughs> Literally, I feel like we don't give ourselves much credit because that in and of itself is just crazy. It's a lot. Do you feel like it's gotten easier? Um, I wouldn't say that it's easier. It's a journey. Yeah. So it's an everlasting journey. And 
parenthood just unfortunately does not come with a handbook like you really have to go through it to understand it and it's so many techniques of parenting there's like we're dealing with people with feelings so we have to learn who our children are we have to adapt to their personalities we have to give them room to understand to grow to learn and like with nova with her now going to school she's going through this phase of with her being an only child and having all the attention from mom and then going into a classroom with 25 people i kind of show her my hands like you went to daycare with five people, but now your teacher has five and five and five. So she could just understand it's more than Nova because at home, it's all about her. Yeah. Oh, so just, uh, I commend you. Cause like my daughter's only two. So I'm like, I want this to get easier. I wish I could understand her better. I wish she could communicate more. So I'm like really looking forward to like the best friend part of it yeah but also she's awesome like every day she surprises me so like you said it is a journey so it's a journey yes. for sure and you're gonna look back I look back at videos and stuff from when Nova was two and I'm just amazed and she was forming her words and saying little things and just to see where she is now I'm like this kid's kid is like ever growing <laughs> it never stops <laughs> it never stops I just bought a wardrobe that I'm about to rebuy again so man so um, let's get into why we're both here. So you were in an abusive relationship with your child's father, right? Correct. Yeah. So what was that like for you? So um, Nova is five mm-hmm. and her and her dad and I, we dated for one year prior to me being pregnant with her. So um, before there was ever a Nova Rain, Monette, the love of my life, um, her father was doing an open mic jam. We had met because I love live music to this day. You find me at somebody's concert, comedy show, same where some live music (laughs) is. And he was a DJ. Um, And it was funny because when we first met, I didn't think he had any clue of who I was. And it wasn't until maybe a year later, he and I started to connect because I would go to the open mic jams. Mm -hmm. And it took for us to kind of build a friendship. We were cool for a while. And then after a year of building a friendship, we tried dating. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until we got into the dating aspect of it that I seen that he had some anger that when he would tap into it, it it was like he would lose control. So in the beginning, I do remember he did a very good job of learning who I was. He did a very good job of understanding Nakira, what Nakira liked. Um, If I liked it, he loved it. And looking back at it now, what I thought was like oh it's just so sweet understanding now it was more of a love bombing type of situation Mm -hmm. and because it was something I wanted so bad I was blinded to a lot of it um so we were in this relationship he had a lot of things going on not to make any excuses for him but um his father had got diagnosed with carcinoma Mm -hmm. and dementia at the same time wow and I've always worked in healthcare, so me attempting to be a supportive girlfriend and to advocate for my job I worked at a cancer center so what better way than to try to get his father the help that he needed and to try to be the most supportive um I am naturally a planner So I think that I kind of pushed a lot of my ideas and idealism on him in regards to do this, 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 and this. And it just wasn't how his mind worked. And I don't know if it was respected at that time. And I think he kind of became angry at me because I didn't like necessarily how he was handling the situation. Um, But prior to the most recent uh, incident, which is the one that you've seen, there were three before that. 
and this was in 2014 October he was working somewhere um I think he was DJing and he was angry and he was angry at someone else he wasn't angry at me and out of his anger instead of communicating what that was I ended up getting choked and I just remember kind of standing sitting on the bed and rolling over and crying and just really shocked just kind of like well where the hell did that come from but it would be in the moments when we would argue that he would get angry and I'm five feet tall. Um, he's six, he's like six, two. And he would like point in my face and I'd be like, I got the point when you stood up, it didn't, it wasn't necessary for you to be the aggressor in that way. Right. Um, so I do remember him leaving the home and I literally just swept it under the rug. I act as if it never happened. We didn't mm. talk about it. It was like a quick apology. And then that was it. And we moved on from it as if it did not exist, which probably made it a lot worse because we never really tapped into what that did, how I felt, what really was the root of him even reacting in that way. Um, fast forward January, I do family trips for my family. And at this point, it was way before where I am now. I think we took a trip to Cleveland. Now, we're all from Detroit, but I think we just drove right to Cleveland like, we're going on a family trip. And me being just so in love at the time, I'm like, you know, I would like you to come. My other male cousin, he ended up not coming. And then my brother, who was in Kentucky at the time, he ended up not coming. So my then boyfriend, he was the only man on the trip. Um, but much like myself, the planner of the family, I'm. it's a lot of moving parts. I'm trying to work it out to book the rooms. They're all on my credit card. And we were leaving, a, we were in a situation where we were at a restaurant and it was just something that he said. And I was just like, well, sometimes you don't have to correct me in front of people correct me and give me the moment to learn in private but yeah. if you're doing it in front of somebody now we're we're at it mm. i can't take what you're saying because now i'm mad at you and i'm mad at the person who i was mad at originally right so we had this conversation i thought we were all good the next day there was an issue at the hotel with a room that my cousin had but again all the rooms were in my on my credit card so all I could see is the money just coming off of my credit card mm -hmm. so I was trying to resolve whatever this issue was and I, he just turned he was like you you shut up and I don't handle it and I was just like well <laughs> it's my money and I want to see what they're talking about right so I remember us getting into the car and we had two I want to say it was like two vans we drove because we just were on a budget just going out of town trying to have a good time and um, I got in the car and I was like, I didn't like when you did that. And I got out the car and I slammed the door. And next thing you knew, I was being lifted by my neck off of the ground. And that was the one time that my family witnessed him put his hands on me. And I just, like, it was just a moment of dullness. Like, you just couldn't believe it happened. It was a lot of embarrassment. But it just, we didn't, we didn't talk about it. Like even my family, um, it was my brother and sister, they're twins. And I just remember them being so young. And I remember my mom telling him like, go in there with your sister. And I just remember the fear like my little brother had because it was nothing he can do. He was a child mm -hmm. that was witnessing that. And for whatever reason, we chose to put him in the car. We put him in the car and we drove him here to Detroit. When we got here to the city was the third incident and in which I thought at that time was a final incident and we were arguing about him putting his hands on me previously and he said no I didn't as if my whole family didn't see him do it 
Right. So be, we're going back and forth about it. And before you knew it, I was, <laughs> I was on the ground. And I just remember never really able to defend myself properly. It was always a shocking thing to me. Um, and at that moment, the only thing that probably saved me was the fact that my cousin was outside and his friend. So my cousin and his friend were outside speaking about the incident that happened in Cleveland and they could hear the tussling and came in. And I'm like, you know, you got to go. You just you got to go. You can't stay here anymore. And it was never like an apology. It was just like, I don't know why I did it. I have a lot going on with my dad and I have a lot going on here. And it was just the me wanting it so bad and me wanting to twerk i i asked like it never happened it was a don't ask don't tell because if you would have asked me five years ago if that was a situation that i dealt with i would not have been honest in regards to it so now we have all of this time so now these layers are being peeled back and the relationship is no longer and your dad unfortunately you know he he lost that battle he's went on to be with the lord you have your family who's not the most supportive of you, but they really want to like stick it out with you. And the triggering thing to me was his cut. His brother said to me, we were hoping he didn't hurt you. So I was just taken back. Like, so you all knew he had this in him and no one warned me because it was a lot of trauma that I tapped into. And I realized more or less now so because I never talked about it, I I protected him in a lot of ways without me even knowing it. Right. We end up getting pregnant and this was after the relationship. So now I feel just ridiculously stupid because now I felt like I was able to have this situation where somebody I really shouldn't have been involved with. But here we are. We decide to keep this child. And then the verbal abuse starts. Well, you kept the baby because you were trying to trap me. Like, sir, I don't want any parts. <laughs> like, let's let's be clear. And he's 10 years older than me. He didn't have any children. I didn't have any children. So it was just like a trap. That's just kind of a like, that's a low blow. And I was hurt. And I remember um, his family kind of questioned him, like, well, what are you guys going to do? And he was more of the, well, you know, people co-parent without being together. So it was always making me feel like I was less than. And it took a lot for me to kind of start to value myself to get to where I am today, but it still took a lot of time because it was a ton of verbal abuse that happened in it. Um, it was one moment when I had my daughter and it was in the beginning phases when you have the baby and you're fresh from the hospital and your body isn't yours anymore and everything hurts. And I mean, to think of defecating is to think to die because you literally, literally just drop a load out of your vagina. <laughs> Like, that's what I for always lack say. Of other words, but it was traumatizing for me to even think to like use the bathroom. And with me being at home alone, I was trying to figure out how this worked. So it was me literally carrying my infant child to the bathroom, putting her in her carrier, like figuring it out. And it was this one night I just needed help, and we were sleep deprived. I mean, for lack of anything else, when yeah. you have children, you're adjusting. And he rolls up on me. And the way that he rolls up on me with her in my hands, I knew that he would have he would have struck me. And it was at that moment that I was just too shook to deal. And I called my mom. I went to my mom's house. I didn't really share the situation of what happened, but I, I let it be. And um, Nova was 17 months 
Nova was a little bit over a year and we were attempted to try to work together and figure out a parenting schedule and it just didn't work. Um, I was nursing. So at that time I was a little more close and like, I need my baby at my titty. Like I unfortunately just can't drop her off because I'm supplying her milk. Right. And I also am not willing to be in a space with you for long periods of time. So we have to figure out what that, what that is. And it was like, you take me to court. Well, you take me to court. And I mean, when we went to court the first time, he took me to court. He went down there and filled out the paperwork for me and took himself to court. And in, in essence, got hurt because he put himself on child support. And then there was like no parenting order put in place. Right. Right. So he he started the child support case, which is a beautiful thing in itself. It's just, it's not really where you want to be if you had the opportunity to not go through the courts i would recommend that to my worst enemy if you are mature enough to work without someone telling you specifically what to do i honestly believe that that's what you should do but uh we went to courts we tried it out and i was actually just looking at the records of the um child support and i didn't receive child support for any of 17 um i did not receive child support for any of 18 um any of 19 i did not receive child support i got maybe like three payments within the whole time and i still was left to be an adult and make sure he's seen his daughter and not demean his character or tell any of my truths and uh, during this time it was a lot of things that were being said about me or i was made to look like the bad guy or i was i wanted him and it was just all these things that i would hear about myself and I'm like you know you guys really don't know the half so um it was really during the pandemic that really was the wake of it all uh, we were really just doing our own things communication was just the worst at this point I had already I had diagnosed him to be a narcissist um he's never been clinically diagnosed but there's a lot of things that he did where I believe that might be something that he has true to himself but um the pandemic mm-hmm. came into michigan in march of 2020 i remember so vividly because um i work in healthcare, and i remember reading this article saying that it was coming it was coming and then it was my birthday and we were in we were hybrid so we would work in the office and we would work at home and this is before the whole work from mm-hmm. home thing happened so we were on the wave of mm-hmm. I was going home for two days for my birthday and I remember going home and I never went back into the office and Mm. he was dating someone and it was scary. This was when there was like no room in the morgue scary and his, she was his girlfriend at the time. She contracted COVID, but I found out from the internet when I tell you my heart was broke and I because he the, he was still seeing your daughter during this time and he had her around this woman that you don't even know oh I can relate to not this so only heavy that but she had this disease that was killing people like people were dropping down dead from COVID so with right. me being on the healthcare side of it I seen our I seen our morgue fill up and we had a freight an 18 wheeler freight to put bodies in so to me that was just too warranting for me to send her over there and I remember him saying like well you will see you'll see if if you don't let me see her you'll get it and I'm just like well 
it's just for the safety of me and my daughter. And when I say I didn't hug my mother, I didn't, I didn't go outside. I had food delivered. I really played it safe because I didn't want it to be me or my child. And right. it just, you know, it was, we didn't know what COVID was. We didn't know what that was. We had, we had seen SARS before. We had seen pig flu, but we have never seen anything like coronavirus. Right. And for me, I wasn't going to be the one to go outside and play and act like it wasn't what it was. Mm-hmm. So I did um, keep Nova home, kept her safe. I would let them video chat. And it wasn't until the Lord orders had got like really lifted. It was towards the end of the year. Um, he was he was supposed to give me some child support, as he said he was, like he always did. And on this particular day, I started letting her go back. And he just was like, just take me to court. And I was just like, you know what? I'm fucking tired of this. Excuse my yes. language. But it was just like, this is the, this is it. You have threatened me for years, for years to take you to court. And I've never taken you up in your actions. So one of the blessings in, in the pandemic is that everything went digital. So it was just so much that happened during that time that I would not have done had we not been set down. He would have threatened me to take him to court Three, th- three million more times and I would not have done anything had it not been for us being stuck at home, stuck in the house. So right. this time I took him up on his offer. I took him to court. I figured out I'm pro C. I don't have a lawyer. I didn't have any representation. I found the motion online. I filed the motion. I did the money. I followed the odyssey. I sent the server to his home and we go to court and he was to pay a little bit under a hundred dollars. His order was a little bit under a hundred dollars, and he had agreed to two fifty on top of that little bit under a hundred. And this was the order since she was seventeen months, so it was not like I was getting anything from it. And the referee he upped it to like one fifty, and he said, "Do you understand?" I said, "Well, I understand, but I just don't agree." Like he stated that he could do this amount, and I want this amount. Because Mm -hmm. it shouldn't have been take me to court. It should have been a conversation that we should have been able to handle and navigate as adults. And we weren't. Um, And the referee, he agreed. And I could just see the anger in his face, like the disappointment. Because I don't know that he believed that one, I would have taken him to court and that I would have pressed through. But that was during the time that I really had to start valuing myself and stop protecting him and stop thinking about what it is for him. It was so many times where I went without and I sacrificed because she was my baby and I was taking care of her, but it really took two to tango. And it wasn't fair to me to continue to just make the sacrifices on my own. Yeah. After court, um, it just was like, it was weary um, because I knew he was angry. And then he had his issue was parenting time. He would say I didn't give him his daughter. He couldn't get her. When in fact, if um, you look at any of my records on like social media, Nova stayed with her dad. If he asked for her, I let her get him. It was never an issue to me because I wanted her to have a relationship with her father. M- more so because I had trauma there. My father passed when I was young. So I want nothing more than my daughter to have a relationship with her father. It's not my agenda to take that away from him and or her. Um, that would be a relationship that he would ruin on his own. And I don't have to, I can't, I don't have to help at all with it. Right. So he, um, he wanted parenting time. I wanted child support. So when I did the order, I only did child support. 
and the referee was willing to talk about parenting time, but I had got smart. I said, he's going to do an order in regards to that because you, you threatened me with court 300,000 times. So therefore you should do it too. So he went ahead. Um, so I, I just remember kind of pressing it and I was, I was mean when I think about it, I was mean, but I was a matter of fact, like I was so fed up. It was like, did you file for parenting time? And it would be like, oh no. And then it would be an email. Well, did you file for parenting time? And he would be like, well, I drafted up this parenting time. And if you could just agree to it, we can get it notarized. And I said, no, we can go to court the same way you put me through the ringer of going to court. I'm not going to just give up for you. You go to court too. <laughs> so right. he didn't really care for that aspect of it because I had started to put my foot down and I wasn't letting, because typically my goal was to not argue. So if you said something to me, I didn't like, I would be quiet. I would clam up. I wouldn't say anything. Mm. Um, but I started to speak up and I started to advocate for myself and for my daughter because it wasn't fair to me to continue to hold all of that in because ultimately it hurt her. When I heard right. it, she felt my emotions. She's seen it, but I'm not even to even express what that is. So it was um, an incident in December. It was top of December, December. I don't know why I remember it, but December the 11th. And I had literally made a year from a year, ago. like just two days ago, a year from. Yeah. And we were, um, we were at, I was at my home. Um, I had made some chicken, lemon, and rice soup. And I was like, so like amazed with this recipe that I found on Pinterest and made. And I was standing in a duplex. So I had went next door in the duplex mm -hmm. and I had gave some to my neighbor and we were just sitting over there, kicking, just talking, just mm -hmm. running our mouths. And I had invited my little sister over to help me with something. Now I left my door open. Yes. I live in Detroit and I left my door open, but I left my door unlocked. It was pulled up, but it was unlocked. And my sister called me and she was like, where are you at? Like very concerned. And I'm like, I'm next door. I'm at the neighbor's house and come to find out um, Nova was in the house and Nova was in the house alone. And she was in the house alone for about 40 minutes because her father had dropped her off. He brought her through the door and he did not say anything. He did not let me know she was there. So I had discovered my child being at home and I was crushed my heart was broken I really felt like I did a disservice to her and it wasn't even anything that I could have done because it was just like daycare when you're passing a child off you have to make sure that child gets into the parents hands before you're saying they're gone and I just everything went through my mind I'm I'm a single woman in Detroit so I could have had somebody robbing me and you just let her come into that situation I could have fell on down the stairs and broken my neck, but mm -hmm. you weren't even thoughtful enough to make sure that her mom was okay. Even if we're not on the best terms, it's some type of respect that you should still have for me for bearing your child, for bringing this yeah. being into the world. And I was pissed as an understatement. I was disgusted. I had discovered vomit in the sink. My daughter was so scared that she vomited because she was afraid that she didn't know where I was. She didn't have the resources to call me like five. She was four. So four years old for 40 minutes probably felt like 40, 40 hours to her. Like I just couldn't imagine. 
And, um, I'm literally like, I could cry. Cause like sometimes my daughter won't go to sleep. I'll like pretend that I leave the house. Like I won't pretend that I leave, but I'll like turn the lights off and I'll go lay down in my bed and she won't know where I am. And she's like freaking out like, mommy, where yes. are you? And like, it's, it's so sad. So, so to, I can't even. So I, I again, you know, we're going to stay home. We're going to stay safe. I want to let her know I'm here. And he, he was angry to say the least. He was angry because of it. And, um, I text him. I remember texting him like, you know, I'm, I'm very upset. I'm upset. You didn't apologize for it because what it became was you should have told me you left the house. It was a lot of blame versus saying, yeah, I messed up. It was a mistake. I, I didn't realize it. This is what we can do to be better. It was more of Nakira. You did this wrong. And Nakira, you should have told me you went to the neighbor's house and it's your responsibility to be there at this time. And I just, it, it didn't, it didn't do anything to me. So I'm still pissed about this parenting order because I didn't want her to go. Um, I remember we took our Christmas pictures and after we together, took, me and Nova, just me and Nova okay. took our Christmas pictures and um, it was supposed to be like his weekend. And I just was like, you know, I don't need to, again, I don't need to help him destroy this relationship. I don't have to put any extra sauce on it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there right. is nothing that I have to do when it comes to that. My hopes and goals and prayers would be that they can have a relationship that is well. Unfortunately, um, that didn't happen when he came in the next time. And I was like sitting there and I was crafting. I was cutting up my stuff for my, um, I was making bookmarks. So at this time I was, entering into a relationship with a gentleman and we Mm -hmm. were just dating we were going to read a book together so I was making his bookmarks and he entered into the home and I he was supposed to get her on this particular day at like noon because I was still at home working Mm -hmm. full-time job taking care of a kid trying to cook dinner trying to date just you know superwoman effects yes (laughs) and he did not come get her at noon but yet he put up at five o'clock like he was just about to just conquer the world and I'm like well why didn't you come get her at noon because it was it's different it was difficult for me to understand and it still is quite difficult for me to understand how you were attempting to say that I was keeping her from you but yet I was giving you all these opportunities to get her and you wouldn't come yeah. get her yeah so I don't know really what happened um it was more or less that he said one of those moves like you don't communicate you don't tell me anything and before you knew it I was on the floor and that was January 2021. And that was years after that last incident. But it took him a lot of courage to do that because at this time he was married. He was then married. We were not living together. We hadn't had any sexual relationship in any type of way. But he felt comfortable enough to do that to me. And I honestly feel that he felt comfortable enough to do that to me because I had protected him so much in the past. And I said, nothing. and you had his child and I said nothing. So he felt as if he had some type of onus to me, like I owed him something. And I just, when I got off the floor and my child was screaming and to see her witness that and to hear the fear in my child's voice, it really burned in my spirit and in my soul that that would be the last time and I would scream it into the heavens and he would make I would make sure he would never do that again it 
wasn't fair to me for so many reasons, but it damn sure wasn't fair to my daughter. Amen. Mm. I literally have goosebumps. Like the scariest part about me talking to you, I'm not going to get emotional. I'm going to try not to, is that like a lot of our situation is similar. Like the year before we got pregnant, he took me to court and put me on child support. I'm struggling to co-parent with him. He's dating all these kinds of women. Um, He's not paying child support. I'm doing all this on my own. I have no family here. My worst fear is that like, like I'm seeing someone now um, and we don't live together. Like we're doing things the right way, you know? Um, My worst fear is that like he gets so mad like about me doing my podcast. I wrote a book about it. It's like you thought you could silence me forever. You told me that you own me after a year of us being split up just because we had a child together. And I'm like, I don't want joint custody. I never did but I also want him to be a part of her life I just want to prove that he's mentally stable enough and he can control his anger enough and his drinking enough to be a good parent to her yeah and it's just crazy because it you know a lot of it a lot of time us as survivors we will want those things and those desires for them but at some point they have to get the help and want it for themselves i don't yes. want so much for you to have this relationship but if you're doing nothing to cultivate it but bring me hell what am i continuously pushing for what am i doing and um i just remember that situation and I, I i called the police and it just was it just was like just crazy because i just i sent her next door and the only thing i don't know what what took over him um because he had my head was so close to the stairs that if it was any closer, I probably would have had a concussion. It was like the stair in the TV stand. So just the fact that mere fact that I missed it just was God, just God yeah. on my side. And I just remember sending Nova next door and my neighbor, she was just like, Oh my gosh, Nova's breaking my heart. And she was just like, you know, I want a new dad. So then when the police came, I'm attempting to relive the moment and I'm in tears. And my four year old is, basically telling the police what happened like she's telling it and in the police report it literally says my dad choked my mom on the floor I want a new dad and I remember picking up the police report the next day because I wanted to proceed with pressing charges but really not knowing what to do I had called an advocate that morning they uh when the police came out they gave me some information and the domestic violence advocate and to get a PPO was one of the things so even though the police comes out and they get this information, it's not like they're going to go and pick this person up. If they're not within the home, it's really, it's really like the clock starts now. And I just remember being fearful. I just thought, um, I thought that was going to be the moment that it wouldn't be any more me and getting off the floor at that time. I thought it was the end. And I remember just saying like, no more no more and once i did the ppo like you just couldn't stop me um when i did the ppo my next step was to do the police report i go i do the police report and the detective looked at me and she said if you haven't went to get that checked out you should because the bruises and scars on your neck look bad and i just remember leaving just just crying like boo-hoo crying because i was embarrassed and um i just I had protected him with silence for so long. I never said anything. I never wanted to be a victim. I'm a young black woman in Detroit. And how dare I just continue to be these statistics that everybody believe we are. And um, I went to the hospital. 
um, there were no injuries, thank God. And I mean, the clock started ticking. Nova witnessed the incident. So she had to speak with kids talk for them to do a forensic interview. Child Protective Services has to be involved because she witnessed it. And it was just, I, I don't know that I feared losing my child. It was just the fact that I was putting her through so much at such a young age. Yeah. So it was like, here we go. Yeah. So that was January. When did everything finalize? Like you have full custody now, right? So no, unfortunately I do not have full custody. Um, what? It No, not here in Michigan. So Michigan laws are a little tricky. Um, so Michigan, you have the domestic violence in, which is, um, criminal. So he was charged for that, but then he still has parenting rights because parenting court is a separate court. Um, so we, I want to say it was September, maybe August. So I know, cause we were going through both in tandem and mm. in August, was the domestic violence sentencing August the 24th was the domestic violence sentencing um and he was charged to a year probation um he pled guilty but it was like it was it was August the situation happened in January so even with a year and like $750 of fines and a battering class it was a journey and it felt like it was a journey not for much but I am happy that I did it because he had to he had to say out loud what he had done because yeah. he um, immediately after the situation, he went online and put things online like it's a thin line between love and hate, which to this day, I still can't understand that concept of him trying to say that I hurt myself or beat myself. And it was uh, statuses to say, like, you know, I'm pretty sure you've seen the accusations from Nova's mother. And it was just like, you know, these were never accusations. And you're speaking as if this is the only time we can't right we can't negate the fact that this is time for Mm -hmm. when i started to speak about it is when i realized it had took seven years from the beginning from the first incident to the end incident for me to actually say something and then the parenting time stuff that didn't resolve if i'm not mistaken until like october because she had i remember we had our family trip and all of that so she had her first virtual visit with her dad at the end of like August, beginning of September. And I just remember like sitting her down like a young adult, like I have to tell you something. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, yeah. you're going to be seeing your dad on the computer and then you're going to go over there and just think life just happened so fast because in, in August we had the domestic violence sentencing and then November, I'm sorry, September, and then October, here mm-hmm. we are at Domestic Violence Month. And I just, I felt the need to share. And sharing just blew up. <laughs> like sharing blew up. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to do oh, that. I don't know what I say. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> no, like, it's just so crazy that over that year, I would have just been in so, like, so much fear and just like, it was just inevitable. Like, Whew, I I wouldn't shut up. I would not shut up. And I wouldn't give up either because like he was so the craziest thing is it revealed a lot. So when I did finally press the charges, the first thing you do is you do PPO. So his he attempted to get the PPO removed, but much like 
people are. He he lawyered up. Unfortunately, that was not mm-hmm. what I was going to do. I wasn't in the place to afford a lawyer. I mean, he hadn't paid child support for months. I was a single mom. I'm, I'm not going to get a lawyer that I can't afford. So he immediately lawyered up. Um, and then they had sent over all of this documentation. And they really tried to make it like I was a nutcase. They really tried to make it as if I just made all of this up. And I was That's crazy. And the one thing that saved it, like the one thing that clicked for me that really made me know that it was real, that in 2015, when he had jumped on me the second time, he had went to the police station and he had filed a police report on me. And I had never known I had had a child with this man. I had never known that he did this police report on me. So it was news to me. And I remember reading through the paperwork from his uh, lawyer and just saying, well, damn, your goal was to try to silence me before I even knew you had an issue. And when I tell you, I found text messages. Thank you, God, for Google Cloud. I had found the text message from the second time he did it and him admitting it. Um, I had did necessarily a police report, but I did call the police. So I knew to go pick up that police report and... I was ready for war. So we end up going to PPO court first. And when we went to PPO court, um, thank God it was virtual because I was literally just taking like 30 minutes a day and not taking off of work. We go to PPO court and they're presenting their case. And I don't know why I chose to do it. It's not like I knew any better. It's not enough law and order in the world that can teach you. But the judge said, start from the top when i tell you i started from 2014 incident all the way up until the the day of january and then at the end of it i said and i'm pressing charges so they had everything on record and because i was pressing charges he couldn't do anything with that ppo so then that's just on hold for the ppo and then you have to wait for the domestic violence court but because the pandemic unfortunately they weren't picking people up it wasn't like they were gonna go knock his door down right and a lot of disheartening things in regards to it and i think a lot of what stops people who are much like us from saying anything is they don't feel like anything happens to them so the in the domestic violence world we do see people get charged but you don't see a lot of harsh actions happen to them um if anything i would love to see a domestic violence registry to warn other women of these men yeah. when they're out there. So I think people get discouraged along the way because it's a lot of moving parts. It was I was back and forth to, from court for months. Um, it was just, I wasn't going to give up. I wasn't going to act like it didn't happen. I wasn't willing to just let this be another situation and that was it. And the one thing that I did do that I never did um, and with that situation in January is I actually posted it on Facebook. I was so scared that I thought that he was going to come back to do something to me that I wanted to know, if, wanted anybody to know if something happened to me. It wasn't just an accident. Akira didn't have a freak accident. Somebody purposely did this to me. And that was the moment where I'm like, it's no turning back. I've said it. This is what it is. And now we're going to see what's coming from it. But him doing that report on me in 2015 was the most heartbreaking thing because I'm just like, damn, I, I wouldn't even had known that you were so meticulous in your ways. Yeah, he's really to have sick. done that. And yeah. Like beyond. And then um, I had requested the CPS reports 
and in the cps reports because he's now married his now wife is just like he would never and i'm just like you don't even know this man but i can't tell you that but as a woman where is it that you're going to have respect for another woman i don't want your man but your man isn't allowed to disrespect me and or put his yeah. hands on me and it's crazy because sometimes abusers will do it to one person they might not ever do it to another person but they still did it to you so yep. you can't discount that and me as a woman like I've done my outreach on new girlfriends and I know some people would frown against them. Like, I'm just warning you, like he really messed up and he's never going to have me back. You don't ever have to worry about that because this is what he put me through. And if you're interested, here's my podcast. Like, why would I do all this just for fun? Correct. And the trickiest right. thing for fun. And that was the thing I didn't like right. how, um, it was, the lawyer and he really made it like it was just an attention seeking thing and i'm just like who the fuck wants to go through trauma who wants to deal with that like it just wasn't it just was like sick to me like if you think that i want to continuously take off of work to go to court you're wrong and i mean they used everything and it was it was so crazy i just really started to kind of put the pieces together so you had ppo court you had domestic violence court then you had parenting court so when yeah. we go to parenting court he and his lawyer would make mentions of my social media and stalking There's a ppo against you so every time they would do that i would literally just go back to ppo court like he's violating his ppo that is called that is called social media harassment sir <laughs> like you're cyberbullying me so like let's get it together and it was weird because once i did the story for the channel 4 somebody sent me his tweets and it literally was the day of court in august it was like i just need to go shoot a gun i need to just go hit a bag they think they're invincible so i'm like you really didn't you getting this year of probation really didn't do anything <laughs> like you, you could care less but um i just i made it my business not to shut my mouth and i know a lot came from it um there were so many women who reached out there were so many people who spoke to me and reached out just to say thank you um women who looked like me who didn't look like me women who were older than me and just to know that if i can go through it as a woman who was working a full-time job and trying my best to be a good mother is no telling how many more people it is that can identify with my situation and my story. Literally. Um, okay. So I just wanted to ask you, since you made that first 911 call, your life was basically flashing before, before your eyes. How have you changed as a person over this last year? Like, has your life gotten better now, even though you've gone through all this, like, certainly um life definitely looked up and i felt like it was really god giving me kind of that wake-up call um it wasn't my job to protect him or to stay silent since then um i've had the opportunities to speak to other women who are too going through the same thing and i had an opportunity to speak at the capitol and lansing when it came down to a domestic violence bill and on top of that just in my personal life um, Nova and I, we now bought a home. I'm happy in a relationship. I don't have a ring yet, but meet me next year this time. I promise I'll have a ring. Um, work is good. I had ended up getting a little promotion at work and it's almost like mm -hmm. I'm on the other side. Like it really is the sun shining. One thing I did do is I went to therapist, uh, therapist, I went to therapy 
and I really started to kind of speak and open up in regards to it because it was such a frowned upon thing. Um, I just didn't, it was more of me not wanting to be just another statistic, but not really realizing how many people dealt with it on so many situations and really learning a lot about it. Um, Narcissism is one thing in itself. And then you have financial abuse, you have physical abuse, you have verbal abuse, and just kind of seeing how I fell into all of those areas and how it can affect someone and really making it my business to give my daughter the platform to open up about her feelings, her emotions, to make sure that I'm hearing her because my job is still to protect her. And like you said, you know, sometimes these, they see who they can do it to. And though I don't believe that he would hurt Nova, I think that he's not stable enough to know that some things he unintentionally does can hurt her too. So because she didn't have him for that amount of time, she now yearns for a relationship. So a lot of times when she comes back home, she's upset because he's went to work. So it's things I can't help, but I'm happy that I can have the conversations with her. So me and Nova, our relationship is rocking. And I just, to think, now december the 13th you know i was this time last year i was getting ready to go out of town because me and nova had just went to vegas i had just really started entering a relationship with my guy and here we are less than a year later coming up on a year i'm about to be a year into a relationship we bought a house car darn near yes like nothing could stop us like and i just i wouldn't if you said then would I be here now I would not have thought so but to know that I am and to know that it's still getting better to have this opportunity to just talk really about my story from beginning to end with no interruptions it's therapeutic it's people out there who relate on so many levels and there were resources that I had um I worked full-time I have health insurance. I went to the hospital for an emergency situation. And in that emergency situation, I got a bill, like a $2,000 bill. And as much as God blesses me, I didn't have $2,000 just sitting around to pay a medical bill because somebody choked me. So thank God for the Michigan Crime Victim Advocacy Program because they were able to reimburse me for that bill. Um, They also take care of like therapy and they have a ton of resources. So I just... It took for me to open my mouth. The resources continuously came to my my home and just reading through them, asking the necessary questions and like going for going for it. I didn't know what a coordination of benefits was, but I figured it out because if you need a coordination benefits to give me this money, well, let's find out how we're going to get that so I can tap into this resource. And it just was so beneficial and it really helped me stay where I was because I was on this goal of clearing debt up so that I could become a homeowner and it just it was like when that happened I was only like a year into it of my financial plan I would put all my bills on an excel sheet and that was really when I started kind of pressing for child support like if he would actually give me this money I could put it here and it could go towards this and right like you know like thank you for the little bit you give me because I in his mind I think he really thinks that he's like paying the mortgage <laughs> like he thinks that his little bit like take care of the whole house like thank you he thinks it's my nails my car insurance the dte 
Like, little do you know, it's not helping a thing. But if you would just give that a little bit, maybe I can get some food for the house. Like, literally, when I ran my calculations, I was like, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you paid me this over the next 18 years, that's a down payment on a house for our daughter or her college. Yes. And that's really what I have. Um, now I just have it hooked up that if he does pay it, it just goes into the bank account. Good. Because it, you, you can't stop anything. I don't, you know, it's, you can't stop anything. You damn if you do, you damn if you don't. But right. one thing's for certain, two things for sure, she's going to be okay. Right. Amen. If I have to give my last, if I have to give my last and sell my teeth, my my child will be okay. <laughs> yes, girl. I love to hear it. Um, so I guess one of my last questions for you is, um, are you ever fearful about like raising awareness about domestic violence now that you've been in the situation coming out on the other side? Every time you talk about it, are you worried like, oh, I might get go back in the situation because you're speaking up? Not that I would go back into the situation. Um, I know that there's a little bit of anger that probably hits him every time he sees it or someone mentions it because mm-hmm. he was very careful about his character because he was in a public or he is. I mean, he has to stop DJing. No one stopped booking him because of what he's done. Um, but because he's a public figure, I believed he wanted his image to be a certain way. And it was, he really made it his business to make it like he was a good dad. And I never would say anything, but you know, they, people just really knew half the story and it wasn't my business to tell them, but I think that people are able to put together the pieces. So it's not fear that I'm going to go back. It's more fear of he may lose it again. But I'm going to make sure to protect myself along the way. Um, I have no intentions on letting this PPO lapse. We currently meet at the police station. I would like to keep that up. We don't have any uh, communication outside of the parenting app. I think that's great. Because anytime it's anything outside of Nova, I just shut it down. Um, You know, he said, happy Thanksgiving. And I looked at it. Because much as I would like to think that was a pure thing, I won't even entertain it. Yes. Nova, you could tell her happy Thanksgiving, but when it comes to me, yep, no, no, thank you. Exactly. And I think a lot of moms and women that co-parent like have a hard time separating that kind of thing. I've been doing it for the last two years and I wouldn't change it even to this day. You send me a picture of my daughter when she's with you. I just, great. Like I don't even respond. And it was, it took me a little bit of therapy for that too, because in the beginning I'm just like, what, what are you sending me this for? It would be like, uh, she has a fever and I like it got to the point where I had to be like if she's not dead please don't talk you to have me to figure out how to parent like on your it own was a way that he was trying to get the control but yeah I, I'm just like you got to figure it out and at the end of the day you have a wife over there and if she doesn't know what to do goodbye God to both of you like, right <laughs> don't call me <laughs> literally well um I'm just so freaking proud of you Nakira like literally when I read your story I was like starting to tear up like my daughter's father never put his hands on me physically but there's a lot of other emotional financial sexual abuse that happened my first first relationship like in high school my um boyfriend at the time was physically abusive to me and like those moments when your life is literally flashing before your eyes and this man is twice your size and like he could take you out with like a pinch you know It's just so crazy and a lot of women have been in this situation and then they never get a chance to leave or figure out even how to get away. So they're just like stuck. And then like, then our stories come up and like we're survivors, we're not victims anymore. So it is possible. So it's important for us to raise awareness. 
at the end of the day, the most stressful part is that there's often children involved and this affects them way more than it even affects us sometimes. And we don't even know the half because they're still young and who knows what they're going to be like when they grow up. But all we can do is kind of stick together and just keep trying to figure it out. So, yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I thank you. I thank you. And it's going to be, you know, I, I would love to come back and maybe have a panel of some sort, just because I know that there are people who have questions and if there are people who have questions, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I pray that they reach out to people who are like them. It's so many people that said something to me that I, I never would have imagined. And when I tell you every shade, color, age, I just, it was, it was mind blowing Yeah, to have women say thank you to me. And it was really me feeling like I was saving my own life by speaking up. You are. You are. But thank you so much for being a part of Sierra Unraveled. It's been an absolute pleasure. Can't wait to keep in contact. Seriously. Yes. Um, And as for my listeners, as always, stop letting them unravel you because only you can unravel yourself.